Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. We're living in some perilous times. That's been said more than once, but these are times when things are happening around us that can bring us great fear and anxiety. With floods and hurricanes and fires and now viruses, many people are frantic and some are even panicking. For those of us who are believers, this is the time that we trust in God and He will help us weather the storm. Over the next few days, I'm going to bring you some messages of being storm-proof and having faith that God will take care of those who are His. So listen to today's message as we walk in the light of God's Word. There are three things that are disruptive in a church family. A judgmental spirit, a condemning spirit, and an unforgiving spirit. They are disruptive in a church family. What are they again? A judgmental spirit, a condemning spirit, and an unforgiving spirit. They are disruptive in a church family where we ought to be in harmony and all thinking the same thing. It don't mean that we're all alike. It doesn't mean that we all going to have to act just alike, but that means that you don't have this kind of orientation and mindset in your heart because that can come in pretty easy. I remember once uh, we were at a church many, many years ago, and all of a sudden I stopped enjoying the service. I stopped enjoying the service, and I didn't know why. I just wasn't enjoying it like I used to. I mean, over time, I'm not talking about that one service. I didn't join. Now I got to try to figure out why I feel like I'm feeling. In order to justify how I feel like I'm feeling, I start becoming critical of almost everything that was being done. I don't like the way they take up the offering. And I showed in like, uh, I'm going to tell it, but, uh, but she used to get up and be the first one to testify, first one to sing. And I'm just saying, she's getting on my nerves. She, I know she's going to get up and be the first one to sing, first one to testify, and all of that. But as I started thinking about it and saying, wait a minute, that's not right to be critical and judgmental like that. Something else is going on. You know, I didn't know at the time that God was trying to separate me from the church so he could move me somewhere else. If he hadn't done that, I'd still be there. I wouldn't be here. God's trying to do that, but I, I didn't understand that, so I had to try to justify how I felt. So now I'm starting to become critical. But then I know the Lord didn't want me to be critical with the critical spirit. I had to ask him what's going on. And he said, nothing's changed here. They're doing whatever you were doing when you first got here. They're doing the same thing. No, they haven't changed. Guess who changed? You did. Maybe you need to start thinking about moving or something. Something's going on with me, not them. So don't criticize them. Figure out, ask me what's going on. And that's when uh, later on I told uh, Pastor Jackie, I said, I think the Lord wants us to move. I'm not sure what he wants to do, but I think it's time. Now, I was really engaged in the church. I was really involved. I was really serving. I was, I mean, I was doing that. I didn't know. Nobody ever taught us how God moved you. But I became critical in my mind. I didn't go home and talk to her about that, but in my own mind I was. And there are people that you'll be critical in the church. You don't even know why you're critical. And then you become judgmental. And then after a while, you'll start having that spirit. And if you're not careful, you'll start trying to justify how you feel. And you want to see if somebody else feels the same way. 
Then you start asking other folks, well, what'd you think about, what'd you think about this? And if they say, well, I don't know if I like that. You know, I didn't like it either. I would just, you know, was just quench my spirit. Then you just really go off once you find somebody to agree with you. Because you ask, and that's the way people find out. They'll ask you, so what do you think about what the pastor said? If you say, ooh, that was so good. It just blessed my heart, blessed my spirit. They ain't going to say nothing else. They're going to they gonna walk off. But if you say, I don't know, that was, I don't know if I really agree with what he said. You know what? I didn't, I didn't agree with him either. That's the way that worked. Whenever somebody asks you what you thought about what somebody did, they're not trying to compliment him because you know what? If they, thought, if they were going to compliment him, they wouldn't ask you. They said, ooh, that Pastor Jackie was so good, wasn't she? They might say, uh-huh. They're not going to go off and start doing it. That's how people do. They're trying to find somebody. And sometimes it's not their fault. They just don't know why they feel like they feel, and they got to try to justify it. But the enemy will use that in a congregation, in a body of Christ, to bring discouragement, to bring dissension, to bring division, to bring strife. And that's what the enemy does. He sows seeds of discord. He sows seeds of discord. So we have to guard our own heart and our own mind. And Jesus was teaching this. He said, listen, I know you've been coming to the meeting and you've been shouting and praising and rejoicing because of the healings and the deliverance and the miracles. But we're going to have to grow and become productive in the kingdom. If you're going to be a mature believer, you got to know how to function day by day. Just because you're in the church don't mean somebody's not going to upset you. Somebody might get on your nerves. Somebody might say something. A lot of people say, but some of them ain't sanctified. They're not mature believers. They got some more pulling off to do and some more growing to do, so they don't know how to act. So you got all kinds of things. So you're going to have to be mature. You're going to have to show the way how somebody else should respond when these things are happening. Because all of us have messed up and said things we shouldn't have said and responded how we should not have responded. Other folks are looking at us. So if we're going to grow and maintain a loving family that encourages and build up one another, we're going to have to avoid these three things. So it takes maturity to resist judging. It takes maturity to resist condemning. And it takes maturity to forgive those who may have wronged you. Jesus tells us how to overcome in verse 38. We normally just use this when we're talking about finances, but notice he ain't talking about money. He's still talking about the same thing here. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So instead of judging then, what do we need to give? We need to give some understanding. Instead of condemning, we need to give mercy. Instead of unforgiveness, we need to forgive. If you give understanding, give mercy, give forgiveness, understanding, mercy, and forgiveness is going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you give just a little bit, you're going to get just a little bit back. Because you said the same measure you give is going to be the same measure that's going to be used to come back to you. So give a lot of understanding. You're going to get a whole lot of understanding back. Give some mercy and forgiveness. You're going to get it back. 
He says, you reap what you sow. So don't worry about you're going to be taken advantage of just because you give somebody some mercy and understanding. Don't worry about you're going to look bad because you didn't strike back when somebody uh, acted crazy. Don't worry about you're going to look bad. You made me look bad. You disrespected me. People use that all the time now. People want to kill somebody because they disrespected me. She said, how did they disrespect me? He looked at me funny. They don't know what disrespect is. How did verse 39 end up in this conversation? He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Then he said, will they not both fall into the pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. He's talking to mature people. He said, you cannot possibly lead somebody else if you are blind to the material things of God. You can't lead somebody else. There are new believers who are looking at you. They're looking at you and they're going to imitate you. So they're going to fall into the same ditch you fall into if you fall into it. That's what Jesus is saying. You know how most new believers learn how to live a righteous, holy life? It's not from reading the Bible. It's from looking at people that think they're righteous and holy and trying to act like them. Most people, they don't know how to do. I mean, they can read the Bible and be obedient to the scriptures. But most of them talking about acting and functioning. They look at people what they see at church with their hands raised and bent over and worship. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They say, okay, that person, that must know Jesus. And then they see you out there acting crazy. Then they say, you can know Jesus and act crazy. They see you with a bad attitude and fussing at somebody after they just got through seeing you shouting and running all up and down the, the church. And they see you out there in the parking lot about to snatch somebody's hair off. <laughs> then they're going to think, well, I mean, maybe that's what you do as a believer. They observe. That's why the old saints used to keep the young saints in line. Hey, you can't do that, honey. You can't do that, baby. And that's not the way we do that. That's not pleasing to the Lord. You can't do that, honey. We don't, so we don't have that in the church no more. Because you don't want to tell nobody nothing because they get mad at you, then you get mad back at them. Okay, but you can't do that, honey. But the older saints used to teach the younger saints how to walk this thing out. And Jesus said, the blind can't lead the blind. So somebody need to lead somebody is what he's saying, but you can't lead them if you're blind and you're not functioning in maturity. And everybody is leading somebody. If you've been saved two months and somebody else just got saved in two days, they're going to be looking at you. They say, you saved? Yeah. How long you been saved? Two months. Okay, so what do I need to do next? And you've been saved 20 years and you're still on infamil and formula? Some folks been saved 20 years. They're still baby Christians. And you can't lead nobody. Now, he's still talking about the same thing. Blind leading the blind. He says, verse 41. So, so he asked a question. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He's still talking about judging and condemning and being unforgiving. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly 
to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, here's what Jesus is saying. The eye doctor can't even see. How the eye doctor going to help you straighten up your eye and he can't see? Because he got so much in here. He got cataracts. Right? And you want to say, come on over here. Let me see if I can give you some LASIK surgery. And he got cataracts. You nearsighted. And I want to adjust your eyes. And he asking somebody, pass me. Pass me the instrument. It's over there somewhere. Jesus is saying, what's that going to look like? And why are you trying to take a little something out of somebody else's eye when you got a lot of stuff going on in your own eye? Then he tells you what you need to do. He said, do something about that. Go in the mirror and do self-examination. The best way to grow is self-examination. Look at what's going on in your own life and just work on you. You got a whole lot to do uh, working on yourself. I know I was talking about another church or something years ago to my mother. We were in a discussion. I was talking about something going on in another church. She said, don't you have enough going on at the light of the world to take care of? She's a mature believer. You ain't got time to be talking about nobody else. Don't you have enough over there? Uh, yeah, yes, ma'am, we got enough over here. If I'm going to talk about somebody, better not be around her. I better go around somebody else. But that's what the uh, saints ought to do. They ought to say, no, 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 no. Don't you, don't you have enough to go talk about? You got enough to take care of your own, in your own house. You need to sweep around your own front door. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look at your own self. By the time you get through working on you, you ain't going to have no time to fool with nobody else. He's talking to the person who's judgmental with the judgmental spirit and who is condemning with the condemning spirit and the unforgiving spirit, which means that these people go around looking for stuff to try to find in somebody else and what's wrong with them. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't notice something that might be what you ain't going looking for. And that's not your attitude, and that's not your orientation, what you're doing that. He said, the mature believer is not going to do that. We're so busy working on being sure that we got things straightened out in our own lives. Now, if you take everything out of your eye, you can see clearly. The speck you saw in somebody else might have been some sawdust on the end of the plank that was in your eye. It might not have even been in their eye. It might have been in that. You just saw it. It's way down here. You thought it was somebody else. That was that same plank. Got some splinters on the end. So he said, now that you get that out of your eye, now you can see clearly. And you can see that that's not an issue for them. I can see clearly now. You know, when we got some stuff going on, we have a tendency to think everybody else got the same stuff going on. And he says, get rid of that out of your own eye. So the eye doctor can't see. And he said, that's the issue. <laughs> okay, you can't perform surgery on a patient with a speck in his eye. Don't do LASIK when you got cataracts. That's what he's saying, if it was, if, if it was today. Okay? So Jesus taught that we have, to be, we have to be able to see clearly enough to help our brother see better. You got to be clearly enough to help them with the right heart, the right attitude. So I want to help you to see better. And that means you need to have wisdom on how to even approach people sometimes when you're trying to help them. 
you know, if that was, I know you want to, I know you want to, I know you love the Lord and you want to do everything you can to please the Lord. Would that be a true statement? Yes. Well, if, if that was something that I, I saw that I think you can help you uh, walk with the Lord better, would you like for me to share that with you? Okay, if there was something that I, I thought might be, I want to give you an observation. It may help you. So, but I, I love you and I want you to get God best in your life. Okay? Instead of, uh, hey, there are a few things I think you need to straighten up. You know, all of us are a part in the body of Christ and I'm the knuckles. You know, you don't want to say that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not the ear or the eye. I'm the knuckles, so I'm coming to get you straight now. That's not the way to, that's not the way to get nobody straightened out for the cause of Christ. The emphasis here on being honest with ourselves and not becoming hypocrites when we're trying to help somebody. Okay? And then he closes with this in this passage, and that's verse 43. No, and he said, this is how, if you want to assess people or have an idea about who people are and what they do, here's the rule. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Okay? So, People either have good in their heart or they have evil in their heart. And you will begin to, and they will produce, we will produce the fruit based on what's in our heart. You know, there's a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. Uh, good, uh, uh, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control, um, long-suffering. And Jesus is saying, just watch them long enough. Uh, if they have the goodness, they have the, the Spirit of God in them, they're going to produce some good fruit. Uh, they may say something one time that's, uh, that's not quite um, right, but overall, you look at the whole tree, you look at the fruit that's being produced, you'll know that they have goodness in their heart. Uh, if they come out and they start, uh, you know, they, somebody start being vile and cussing and everything and carrying on, and, and, and just acting crazy. He can't come and say, that ain't me. That is you. <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't me. Well, who was it? Because <laughs> he says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes we don't know what's going to come out until the heat get turned up on us. Okay? And he said, so we can, so we're not to be judgment judges, but we can be fruit inspectors. What kind of fruit is being produced in the life of this person? And he says, um, if you're really good, you can make a mistake, but good is going to be the predominant thing that's coming out of you. Okay? Because even if you make a mistake, the person that has the heart and the mind of Christ and the spirit of Christ will come and, and get that fixed. Said, you know, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I need to get that. That's still good fruit. Yeah. Amen. The person who has that 
evil spirit, they're going to say, well, you know what? That's just me. You got to deal with it. Okay? I mean, y'all just going to deal with me. That's just me. It's in my family. That's the way we do things. And, uh, you know, that's just us. Okay? So then I'll know what kind of family you got. <laughs> okay? So the illustration of the tree reminds us that fruit is always true to its character. Apple tree produces apples, not oranges. And a good person produces good fruits. Believers still can sin, but the witness of their word and their work is consistently good to the glory of God. That he has good fruit. When we sin... We go ask the Lord to forgive us. We repent. We get that straightened out, and we go on further. And so Jesus is saying, I want to teach you how to be mature, how to grow. He said, this is not a shouting message. This is not a hallelujah, thank you, Lord, but this will help you to grow and help you to be mature and help you to move past some things in your life and help you to be a blessing to others knowing somebody is looking at you and somebody is going to imitate you, you don't want to fall in a ditch and take somebody with you. Can you bow our heads tonight? Father, we just thank you for your great love towards us. You You did not judge us. You did not condemn us. Your word said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God, you forgave us of our sin. We thank you for that. And then you ask us to do this, the same in, the, in our lives towards others. Help us as a church to grow to maturity. Help us, Lord, that as we reach out into our community, reach out into uh, families and people that are coming in through these doors. Help us to not be judgmental. Help us to not be condemning. And help us to forgive. And help us to be a heart of forgiveness that people will want to know the love of Christ that's emanating through us and from us. Help us, O Lord, not to lead somebody into the ditch blindly. Help us, O mighty God, to look at what's going on in our own life. Your word said, let a man should examine himself. And we thank you, Father, for uh, examining ourselves and helping us to continue to grow. Help us to continue to pull off those things that are displeasing in your sight. Help us, O mighty God, that we can walk upright before you and walk worthy before you. We thank you for the privilege. Thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for maturing and growing us day by day and month by month and year by year. I thank you, Lord, that we can teach others and lead others into the pathway of righteousness. Thank you, mighty God. We praise you, mighty God, and we bless you in the name of Jesus. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's broadcast. God has always had people that were his. He said in 2 Chronicles 7:14, "If my people who are called by my name, God always looks out for those who are his." The question today for you is, do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? God watched out for his people even in the midst of plagues in the book of Exodus. When the plague struck the Egyptians, God said, they will not touch my people. And then that last plague of all, when the firstborn was killed, 
God's people had the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. The death angel passed over those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Jesus Christ came and he has applied the blood of the lamb to our hearts. For those of us who are believers, we are not as those who have no hope. We are not to be ones who are fearful about the pestilence. Psalms 91 is a tremendous encouragement to everyone who lives and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Why don't you read that and your heart will not fill you from fear when everyone else seems that they are frantic about what's going on. God still takes care of his people. Go to our website to hear this message in its entirety and enjoy some of our Sunday services. I also invite you to be my guest at The Light of the World every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. Don't forget about the Beacon Bookstore. If you have a need for communion supplies, Sunday school books, Bibles, or offering envelopes, call the Beacon, 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.